On October 12, 1960, Soviet Premier Nikita Khrushchev brought the 902nd Plenary Meeting of the United Nations General Assembly to a raucous and stunning end by using his shoe. Nikita Khrushchev was not a subtle individual. A few years earlier, at a 1956 address to a collected group of Western ambassadors, Khrushchev told them, quote, Whether you like it or not, history is on our side. We will bury you. Now, there's been a lot of confusion about that line. It was taken at the moment to be a pretty clear reference to nuclear war, that Khrushchev would destroy the West. He was fond of saying that, as Marx would refer, the proletariat was the undertaker of capitalism, and that communists would be present at the funeral of all capitalists because they would see their system destroyed from the inside out. Still, when you've got two enormous nuclear powers aiming an awful lot of weapons, enough weapons to destroy the entire planet 300 times, talking about burying your enemies isn't exactly something comforting. So, when Philippine Senator Lorenzo Sumalong got up at that meeting of the United Nations in October of 1960 and gave a speech in which he strongly condemned the Soviet Union for their imperialist actions in Eastern Europe, saying, that the people of Eastern Europe had been swallowed up by the Soviet Union, that they had been denied their rights, compared Soviet domination of Eastern Europe to Western colonization, specifically the colonization efforts in the Philippines, Nikita Khrushchev responded in an unhappy way. He started screaming. He started yelling. He started demanding the UN call Senator Sumalong into order. He called him a jerk, a stooge, a lackey of the imperialist, an American puppet. He started pushing and shoving. There are reports that he even went up to the dais and knocked Sumalong out of the way to demand a retraction of the remarks that Sumalong just made. But the most famous thing to take away from this instance is, of course, the shoe. Oh, the shoe. It was reported very widely that Khrushchev became so agitated that he removed his shoe and started banging it on his table like a gavel. Now, there were no live broadcasts of the United Nations, and record-keeping was somewhat sparse, particularly since they were just recording the speeches, not the actions of the delegates sitting and watching. But this seems to have been borne out by history. The Soviets denied this in the immediate aftermath, but Khrushchev's granddaughter has come forward and said that Khrushchev was wearing brand new shoes, his feet were a little swollen, he took his shoes off underneath the table before all of this occurred, and he got so angry he just picked up his not-being-used shoe and started slamming it against the table, screaming about Western conspiracies and that Sumalong was this puppet figure, so angry, so furious, knocking people out of the way. Khrushchev was seen as being somewhat unstable. But it's okay. Having an unstable leader doesn't lead to unstable circumstances. I mean, it's not like two years later, almost to the day we would have the Cuban Missile Crisis where we would see Khrushchev attempt to put a series of rockets carrying nuclear missiles onto Cuban shores aimed at the United States of America. And, you know, we almost had World War III. Oh, boy. This is the show. She packed my bags last night, Welcome to Republican in Exile. Zero hour, 9 a.m. And the single most cliched and obvious opening we've ever had. As a kite by then. Yes, Republican in Exile, a half-hour exercise in self-torture, where I, your clinically unhinged host, attempts another week of mental vomit that sprays out of Washington like a 
like a BuzzFeed quiz asking you what your vomit's like to determine what Hogwarts house you're in. I'm Matthew Hedge, and this week we're going to be going over a series of horrors and other really awful things that left me oh so frustrated <laughs> and caused me to drink heavily. Speaking of which, this week I'm drinking a Bottle Rocket. It's a mixture of tequila, strawberry puree, lemon juice, some ginger, some honey, and hot chili. It's, uh, it's much better than the thing I drank last week. I even put a little straw in it. This way I don't have to, you know, like, slurp disgustingly into your ears. Which would be another way of saying mental vomit. That would have been good. Nah, never mind. If this is your first time listening, I was once a loyal member of the Republican Party. Card-carrying member. Had the little membership card and everything. And then Donald Trump got elected president. And now I'm linked arms with Colin Kaepernick on the sideline. My eyes closed, hoping this is all some sort of horrifying nightmare from which I can wake up. Please? Nobody? Nobody can wake me up, huh? That sucks. Anyway, every week we go through a list of horrifying things that have made me angry. Uh, We finish it off with a singular thing that has made me the most angry. I try and leave you off with some good news and a way to look smart in the next week. But I rarely do that last one because uh, I thought Hillary Clinton was going to win. So my, uh, my word is not exactly binding or good or listen toable. Anyway, the song you're valiantly attempting to ignore right now is Rocket Man by Elton John. I wonder why I picked that. I suppose we'll go over it later. Yeah. Let's cut this off. Because it's time for this week's horrors. The Soviet Union, excuse me, the Russian Federation, is engaging in the largest single war games since the end of the Cold War this week. The Zapad 2017 games are a direct attempt to prepare the Russian military for action in Europe. Zapad means West. They are preparing for a war against the West. These games are supposed to be done with about 12,500 troops. This is in conjunction with international treaties the Russians have signed not to have extremely large war games because large war games can be used as a pretense for actual war. However, it should be noted that the Russians, not too long ago, had a small war game planned, which turns out to be a large war game in 2013, which turned out to be an (laughs) invasion of the Crimea. The Russians have twice in the last decade used war games as cover for an invasion in Crimea, in the Ukraine, and against Georgia, Everyone seems to forget that the nation of Georgia still has about 20% of their territory occupied by Russian forces attempting to present themselves as the protectors of ethnic Russians living abroad, which is a delightfully horrifying thing to say. After all, there are ethnic Russians living in New York City. I'd love to see how Putin could justify an invasion of Brighton Beach. These war games are incredibly troubling to, well, anyone who's paying attention to them. Largely because, well, they could be a pretense for war, and even if they're not, they could be a pretense to set up for a future war. Much of these war games are going to be taking part in Belarus. And if Western estimates are correct, and Putin is lying about the number of troops involved and the amount of equipment involved, well, those troops and that equipment may never actually leave Belarus, and may become a new forward operating station along the border of Estonia, Latvia and Lithuania, or Ukraine, or Poland. Which brings up another fun point for me, and this is going to not seem like a connected thought. But, a little bit earlier this year, a gentleman by the name of Louis Martellini 
fled the United States for Russia in order to support his uh, Don Quixote-like quixotic quest for California to secede from the Union. Now, he only actually fled to Russia after it was revealed that his campaign, the Yes, California campaign, was being funded by Russian government interests. You see, Putin would very much like to see a large-scale secessionist movement in the United States of America. California, Texas, he's willing to support all of them for the same reason that he wants troops in Belarus on the borders with Poland and Latvia and Ukraine. Because Putin believes that the United States of America was behind a theft of Russian territory, Eastern Europe, those territories controlled by the Soviet Union. Putin believes they belong to Russia. And he would very much like the United States of America to suffer the way his country has suffered the loss of their territory and their prestige. In addition to wanting America to lose territory, Putin would like his territory back. That is troubling, that is terrifying, and that's why him, you know, marching large numbers of troops through the West is, well, not great. Well, let's move a little further west and talk about the German federal elections. I know, the single most exciting sentence in the English language is, let's talk about German federal elections. Angela Merkel, by far my favorite world leaders, not least because her name is Angela. Uh, Angela Merkel won another term, which means she's going to be one of the longest-lasting Democratic leaders in the world. She's already served for 12 years. This is her fourth term in office. Now, that's not bad. That's not one of the horrors of the week. As a matter of fact, if it wasn't for this second addendum, I'm going to have to add, it might have been the good news of the week. I love Angela Merkel. She's so boring. She's so middle of the road and squishy. Uh, She essentially has no major policy opinions except let's govern in a responsible manner. I want to hug her. I want to I want to buy her strudel or something. She's she's spectacular. However, Angela Merkel's party won the smallest percentage of the vote that they have in any of her elections even though she was reelected with the largest number of votes, almost 32%. The real problem comes in the alternative for democracy, the AFD party. AFD is to put it nicely, a bunch of Nazis. They are a hardcore anti-immigrant group that has been talking about how all of these German policies against talking about fascism, well, they're just leftovers of us losing that war, talking about, you know, some unfortunate stuff. Even more interesting, the AFD is led by a woman named Alice Waddell, a former Goldman Sachs banker who is in a same-sex relationship. Imagine if you had a lesbian version of Steve Bannon. That's who's running AFD in Germany right now. They got 13% of the vote. This means that they're going to have a significant block in the parliament. As a matter of fact, if Angela Merkel's current coalition holds together, they're going to be the official opposition. This woman is going to get quite the platform to talk about how she doesn't like people who aren't blonde-haired, blue-eyed Germans. Um, At the very least, she has something going for her that Adolf Hitler did not, which is that she actually has blonde hair, as opposed to being some sort of, I don't know, idiot? I mean, she is an idiot. As a matter of fact, in one of my absolute favorite court cases of all time, the German high court was forced to rule on whether or not it was hate speech for a comedian to refer to Alice Waddell as a, and this is a direct quote, Nazi slut. That's right. Their version of the Supreme Court had to rule on whether or not it was hate speech to call a leader of a major party a Nazi slut. Now, interestingly enough, it wasn't the leader of any major party that called her that. It was a comedian. In America, it would be, you know, the president. Moving on. 
and now a horror that brings together the Nazis and the Russians in Paul Manafort. That's right, it was revealed this week that Paul Manafort was indeed wiretapped during a period of time when he was the chairman of the Trump campaign. Now, this is interesting because Donald Trump constantly complained that Obama was personally having his campaign wiretapped during that election. Now, this does not actually justify what Donald Trump said. Manafort was wiretapped from a period before he was Donald Trump's uh, presidential campaign manager. Trump hired him uh, following the primaries to replace Corey Lewandowski, um, largely for two reasons. Number one, Lewandowski was a bit too high-strung for Donald Trump. He was saying a lot of nasty things about women. He grabbed a reporter and shoved her to the ground. And Lewandowski wasn't exactly the hard-nosed political operator Donald Trump needed going to the convention back when it was thought that Ted Cruz or John Kasich might try to contest the Republican convention. They did not, which I hate. But Paul Manafort was brought on board. The FBI began investigating Manafort in 2014, well before he met with Donald Trump about the campaign job. However, this does mean that while Paul Manafort was Donald Trump's campaign manager, the FBI was recording all of his phone calls, meaning that somewhere out there in the universe, there are FBI recordings of Donald Trump on private phone calls, and they somehow have not leaked to the press. How? This is amazing. The FBI must be the only organization in the entire government that knows how to keep poop under wraps. They deserve some sort of medal or special commendation for this. If any other department in the government had tapes of Donald Trump talking about, well, whatever he was talking to pretty much known Russian agent Paul Manafort about, uh, I'm pretty sure it would leak. Uh, but it has not as yet. However, we do know that these recordings are now in the hands of Robert Mueller and the Russia investigation team. Uh, they're apparently leaning on Manafort. They're saying they're going to indict him. They're going to criminally charge him. He is the focus of that probe right now. But the word on the street is that Paul Manafort is being leaned on for him to give evidence on those higher above him in this organization. The only person higher above him in that organization, well, they were Steve Bannon, and there's Donald Trump. That's it. We'll see how this goes moving on. Still, this is included on the horrors list because, good God, how did we get here? <laughs> how did we reach this point as a society? This was supposed to never happen again after the whole Richard Nixon thing. We weren't supposed to have these sorts of things. We were supposed to be better than this. And apparently, we're not. Good job, us. I can see by the old clock on the wall that it's time for us to have a word from our sponsors so, uh, stay tuned. Don't go away. Oh, yeah. That's good. It has a little kick to it. It's nice. I advise you to go out and do this. I made mine in a Nutribullet, which is sort of the opposite of the purpose of a Nutribullet. But hey, <laughs> no one's going to stop you, buddy. Uh, this brings us to the outrage of the week. President Trump this week spoke to the United Nations General Assembly and yeah, no, it's the straws. Oh, the straw just gets in the way. I hate that sentence. President Trump spoke to the United Nations this week. Uh, why do I have to say these things? One more try. President Trump spoke to the United Nations this week, giving a wide-ranging version of his own views of world affairs, in which he said the United States of America 
would put itself first. As president, he would put America first, just as all of the other countries on Earth should put themselves first. This is actually a fairly um, reductive way of talking about enlightened self-interest, which would be great if Donald Trump had just stopped there. One sentence, get off the stage. Brevity is the soul of wit, as Shakespeare says. Donald Trump has neither a soul nor wit, so that doesn't really apply to him. The president went on and said some, well, really startlingly appalling things, including directly poking at North Korea, a country that we're pretty sure has nuclear weapons that can fit on the head of missiles that can hit Hawaii, Alaska, Guam, and pretty soon a theater near you. Donald Trump promised that if Rocket Man, Kim Jong-un, did not pull back his nuclear program, that he was going to, quote, totally destroy North Korea, which can be either read as a statement of fact that we will destroy North Korea in its totality, or it can be read by a California Valley girl, we're totally going to destroy North Korea. I prefer to read it in the second way because it makes more sense to me. Now, this is not a new policy from Donald Trump. He's promised them fire and fury like the world has never seen. He's promised them utter destruction. He's promised all sorts of things. And Donald Trump, at his core, is a provocateur. He likes to stir the pot. He likes to get people angry. He likes to keep people off balance. And most of all, he likes to be the center of attention. If there is a conversation being had and Donald Trump is not being mentioned, Donald Trump will figure out a way to be a part of that conversation, something we're going to be talking about more in a second, NFL. But let's stick with the U.N., for a moment. This is an absurd speech for President of the United States to give. It's not absurd in the history of the UN. As we talked about in the beginning of the program, uh, Nikita Khrushchev banged his shoe on a table. But everyone around the world thought Nikita Khrushchev was a nut job. Nikita Khrushchev was removed by the members of his own party from power. He's not one of those, you know, minor Soviet premiers that dies in office. No, he was pulled out of power, even though he was doing what was frankly important work for the Soviet Union, de-Stalinization, removing this cult of personality about Joseph Stalin from everyday Russian life. Khrushchev was just too volatile for the Russians, which should say something to you. This is also not unusual for other leaders in the United Nations. Uh, Everybody remembers Hugo Chavez in the 2000s talking about how George W. Bush was the devil and he could still smell the sulfur on the podium. Everybody remembers Muammar Gaddafi uh, ripping up the UN charter. And heck, Fidel Castro forced the UN delegates to listen to him scream about how awful the United States was for almost four hours once, an event that prompted the United States of America to essentially write an entire book refuting all of his claims and hand it out to UN members. But you know what all those people have in common? Hugo Chavez, Muammar Gaddafi, Fidel Castro, Mahmoud Ahmadinejad, our dear Iranian president, who, well, said a lot of very dangerous things about Israel not too long ago before he was replaced. Those individuals are all dictators and strongmen who, in order to stay in power, had to, well, threaten people and behave like a lunatic. Which, of course, brings up the question of how Donald Trump behaves. Donald Trump does not behave like a president or a politician. He behaves like a strong man, like someone who needs military force to keep him in power. Uh, The only good thing about Donald Trump right now is that so far our institutions are holding. Our Congress, our courts, the military, they they are remaining stable-ish. 
compared to the executive branch, which is spiraling wildly out of control. This might be an interesting study in a couple of decades as to how America can operate essentially without a functional president. But Donald Trump's claims that he's going to totally destroy Rocket Man were not exactly great, and of course they were responded to in kind. This is a fun thing we call escalation. Kim Jong-un gave a speech in which he called Donald Trump a dotard, which I believe is a combination of Donald and retard, which which might be an insult you would hear on a program like this if I was, you know, 11 and terrible. Donald Trump is provoking the North Koreans to respond more and more. Now they're claiming they might detonate a hydrogen bomb over the Pacific Ocean in response to this. That's great! <laughs> Who doesn't want the North Koreans detonating hydrogen bombs over the Pacific Besides, you know, anyone that lives near the Pacific. But hey, Donald Trump is getting great ratings out of this. His approval rating has ticked up to 40%. That means only 60% of Americans hate him now. That's pretty good for him. At a rally later that week for Senator Luther Strange, Donald Trump says that Rocket Man, which apparently is the only way he's going to refer to Kim Jong-un, maybe because he doesn't know how to say Kim Jong-un, we'll have to check the tape later, see if he's ever said it before and pronounced it correctly. He said Rocket Man should have been handled a long time ago. Quote, this should have been handled eight years ago and four years ago and honestly like 15, 28, 25 years ago. 28 years ago, Kim Jong-un was five years old. But his point stands, North Korea, very challenging situation. Still, there has not been an outbreak of hostilities between North and South Korea in a very, very long time, partially because world leaders have been handling this in a very diplomatic manner. The North Korean regime is not one that you can simply provoke. Violence will occur. I mentioned this, I think, on our second episode. The only options right now in North Korea are you deal with it diplomatically, try and de-escalate, try and calm everybody down in a really boring manner. We blow them to hell, in which case we've committed war crimes because they haven't done anything and we've nuked them. Or we wait for them to nuke someone else and then we nuke them in retaliation, in which case a bunch of our allies are now dead. Uh, De-escalation really is the only option there. It worked in the Cold War. It should work here. But in order to do that, you'd have to have a functional president, which we don't have at all. Now, if I was going to be charitable to the President of the United States, I would say that he's trying to pull off the madman theory that Richard Nixon and Henry Kissinger used, where Nixon would call world leaders and essentially behave like a lunatic to them on the phone, and then have Kissinger call up and try and smooth things over. Oh, you have to, you have to give me some latitude with this. You have to help me, because I can barely control the President. Um, that would work with Tillerson and Trump, with Trump doing this stuff in public, would be a little more difficult to ignore. But... This could work if Tillerson seemed to know anything at all about what was going on in the Trump administration. Every time reporters talk to him, I just feel worse and worse for Rex Tillerson. Rex Tillerson, friend of Vladimir Putin. Literally, he got the order of friendship. Let's never forget that. Rex Tillerson doesn't seem to know what's going on in the government. He doesn't get told anything ever at all. Tillerson, the other day at the United Nations, was asked by a reporter what the president's decision would be vis-a-vis the Iranian nuclear deal. Tillerson said President Trump had not made up his mind about that. Another reporter raised their hand and said, The president an hour ago told us he had made up his mind. And Tillerson sputtered and sputtered and generally looked like someone had just kicked him in the nads. Poor Tillerson. He just, he doesn't have any idea what's going on. 
Which, of course, brings us to the second half of our outrage of the week. You see, the president is dealing with a very tense situation in North Korea, and he's proceeding to insult people at the United Nations as a counterbalance. He's getting out his shoe, he's hammering it on the table. But he's not putting the shoe away. He's proceeding to try and hit anyone he can with the shoe. He's throwing the shoe. He's buying large numbers of shoes, probably from a factory in China, while decrying that the Chinese are, you know, cheating. And he's throwing them at everyone he can. This week, the NFL was his target, where he decided to go after Colin Kaepernick. And, of course, the NBA, where he decided to go after Steph Curry. Now, Colin Kaepernick, not an individual I agree with on a large number of issues, but he has a constitutional right to protest whatever the heck he wants. And the guy does have a point. Uh, Police officers involved in situations where it's pretty clear they misused force uh, pretty much universally uh, get away with it. This is because they have a legitimate use of force most of the time. Something has to change there. I don't know what it is. Hopefully there are people smarter than me in this world. If they aren't, we're doomed. You might as well give up now, uh, drink a large amount of laudanum, start shooting people with a shotgun. At the aforementioned rally for Luther Strange, just days after dealing with this UN situation with Kim Jong-un, where nuclear annihilation might destroy us, and of course days after the third massive hurricane slammed into American territory, this time Puerto Rico joining Florida and Houston, Texas in the we-don't-exist-for-a-while category, just days after all of that, dear Donald Trump decided that he would focus most of his speech on the NFL, saying, quote, wouldn't you love to see one of those NFL owners when somebody disrespects our flag say, get that son of a bitch off the field right now, he is fired, he's fired. Donald Trump returning to his classic, you're fired, catchphrase, and getting to curse on a stage in public behind a podium that reads President of the United States and in front of an enormous American flag. (sighs) (coughs) Oh, that stuff burns. But it is necessary. Donald Trump decided to go after the NFL because, once again, there is not a conversation on this earth that Donald Trump does not want to be involved in, where he doesn't see himself as the center of attention. Anything going on in the world might, in fact, be a secretive attack on Donald Trump. The other day, Melania Trump gave a speech at the United Nations in which she decried bullying, saying we need to do more about bullying. And everybody made fun of her for this, but there's something you need to understand about Donald Trump and the Trumps in general. They think they're being bullied. They think they're the victims. Donald Trump likes to talk about how he's a counterpuncher. That's the thing that gets talked about a lot. He's a great counterpuncher. In order to counterpunch, you have to be punched first. Donald Trump thinks he's a victim, and everything in the world is about him because he's an enormous narcissist. So when Colin Kaepernick kneels during an NFL game, which, by the way, he hasn't done this year because he's not playing anymore, when Colin Kaepernick does that, He's personally attacking Donald Trump because everything is about Donald Trump. And if it's not about Donald Trump at that moment, he's going to make it about him. The NFL, the NBA, it does not matter. The whole world has to spin on his axis at all times. And if it doesn't, he's going to make it about him. And that's going to be to the detriment of every man, woman, and child alive. I am a conservative I believe the government that governs least governs the best. I think that I should be able to forget who the President of the United States is. I should forget the government exists for long stretches of the time. Ask yourself the last time you've gone a day without being able to remember that Donald Trump is the President. That is a sign of a failure as far as I'm concerned. 
Donald Trump doesn't know how to step back and let America be America. He only knows how to step up and make it the Trump show. Let's move on to some good news. The Senate Republicans have failed again to repeal Obamacare. The fact that I'm happy about this is another just mortifying event for me, but hey, I'm a conservative. This means that I like existing evils over the potential evils of the future. I know how Obamacare works. I know its flaws. I'd rather try and stabilize what exists than move into a new bold era of something being worse, which is what this bill would be. This was a bill, the Graham-Cassidy bill, which was the newest version of Obamacare repeal, was not a bill born from a good policy idea, but because of shit talk. It was the equivalent... Have you ever seen there's an episode of Family Guy where Peter Griffin insists to everyone that he could beat up Liam Neeson, and then Liam Neeson shows up and he has to try and fight him and he gets the crap kicked out of him? That was this bill. For years, the Republicans had shit-talked about how they could repeal Obamacare, and they just have to keep trying, and they keep getting the crap kicked out of them. This is not good policy. They've got to fix the bill. This was, of course, killed by Senator John McCain, who said once again that he wanted a bipartisan bill, which is, uh, the man is wonderful. We should have elected him president in 2008. What is wrong with all of you? You haven't picked a good president in a very long time, America. Very annoyed with you in general. Jerks. That brings us to the final segment, How to Look Smart This Week. This week, I want you to pay attention to a scandal brewing in President Trump's cabinet. It seems that a lot of them are using private jets to do things that, well, normal cabinet secretaries just get on commercial airlines for. Secretary of Health and Human Services Tom Price, for instance, spent $300,000 since May on private airlines to jet them around the country. Why is the Secretary of Health and Human Services using private jets to fly around the country when his job is entirely in Washington, D.C.? Well, he explains that he wants to talk to average people about how Obamacare affects them, which, you know, average people love it when you fly into their town on a private jet and then jet back out to the taxpayer's expense. And also, you know, those hurricanes have really been disrupting stuff for him. As the Secretary of Health and Human Services, he has nothing to do with the hurricanes. That's going to boil over eventually. Apparently, lots of other cabinet secretaries have been using private jets on the government's dime, or, even more troubling, on private citizens' dimes. That's right. It seems that Secretary of Education, Betsy DeVos, has been flying around on a private jet owned by her brother, Eric Prince, the CEO of, well, a large mercenary firm that Donald Trump is considering allowing to take over a large section of Afghanistan. That's something we're going to have to talk about more in the future. It's troubling on a, on a lot of degrees. Oh boy, I need something to make me feel better. You want to know what? Normally I play the song again at this point, but I feel like I need something else to get me through this. So, well, let's try this. Because Elton John is good, but William Shatner? William Shatner's better. Till touchdown, bring me round again and fine. I'm not the man they think I am at home. Oh, no, no, no. I'm a rocket man. A rocket man. Burning out his fuse out here alone. That really does put me in a better mood. That's all, everyone. Special thanks to my producer, Jonathan, and to ACAST. Remember... Acast for all your podcasting needs. Acast making good stories great. 
If you would like to contact us, we are riepodcast at gmail.com, riepodcast on Twitter, or Republican in Exile on Facebook. Send us your comments, your questions, your concerns, your queries. I will respond to your deeply personal insults with deeply personal insults of my own. This week, well, in a world in which Donald Trump is trying to provoke a nuclear war, I think it's in all of our best interests if you um, try not to die. <laughs>